a lot of the folks, I say a couple of folks here actually doing some behind the scenes reading and following up on this and doing some uh, fact checking things like that through the week to show you what's coming up. Really excited about that. I will say this next week, um, normally we'd have night service, but I'm having a colonoscopy the following day. So I can't do a night service. I'll be in and out of there and I won't even make it home probably with the stuff they give you. That's so I, so normally we'd have a night service next week. I, you can still have it. I just can't do it. <laughs> I have to do something else. And I'm not a football fan. Y'all took off on Super Bowl Sunday, but it is uh, Daytona 500. Next week? It's next week. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the doctor doing here? <coughs> um, I think it's Lee. Lee? I think it's Lee. It's at uh, the Lourdes Pavilion. Lourdes Pavilion. Yeah, I think it's Dr. Lee. I think that's who it is, or else he's my heart doctor. I don't know. Um, different doctors, I lose track. But um, the reason I mention that is because um, if you want to have a service and some folks want to talk about what the text says, I'm more than okay with that. But I just can't do it. No. I'm not going to be able to do that. But uh, we're going to look at verses 19 forward. We'll see how far we can get through to get through these transitional verses into the third chapter, which is where I think one of the most powerful sections of Scripture exists. And all the way through chapter 4 is just phenomenal. So let us look at verse 19. He says, this is Paul, saying, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged when I know your state. Or condition, if you will. He's um, got um, Timothy and Paul are working together in this particular time of Paul's life. And Paul wants to send them Timothy or send Timothy to them that Timothy can minister for a while and then come back to Paul and report. Because Paul has missionary churches and the Philippian church is the one church where he doesn't get all upset with them. This church is doing things right, which is really good. And so he wants to know um, their state. And, and what I love about that is he says, when I send Timothy to you and he comes back, I know you're doing the right thing and I'm just going to be encouraged. Someone's getting this. That you're doing the work of the gospel. And so Paul really is just saying, I encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Timothy's going to make sure that and in Paul's missionary work, as you know, he established churches in many locations. And it's not like a person today that can get there from one location to the next, do some work and move after a seminar. <laughs> Paul spent a year or so in each church establishing it, becoming from nothing to a church, and then training those leaders until they could run the church and be the church after he left. And Paul couldn't go back all the time. And so he'd send people like Timothy uh, to them to encourage them and ensure that they're doing the right thing and further instruction. And Paul would be discipling Timothy with things. And then Timothy would go there and teach those things. And once those things were ingrained and instilled, Timothy would come back. And sometimes those churches would send a love gift with Timothy for Paul to help him continue doing what he's doing. 
But the reason is, is Paul can't just be everywhere. Well, he's incarcerated at this point. Right? Exactly. Yeah, he's a he's basically under house arrest. Or not basically. He is under house arrest. It's a liberal house arrest, meaning that he can have as many visitors as he wants, and he's not in stock. He's just house arrest, meaning he has a lot of freedom most really bad prisoners wouldn't have. So, so he says about this in verse 20, I really like what he says about Timothy here, that he says, I have nobody like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Now this could be seen in one of two ways. When he says, I have no one like-minded like Timothy to care for your state, it could be that Paul is saying, woe is me, I don't have anybody but Timothy. Or he could be saying, I have Timothy, and I can send him to you. Because Timothy is like-minded. If, if you ever read the story of Timothy, or understood who he was, Timothy was raised by his grandmother. I don't, don't know if you remember that. And... Um, Hmm? Mm-hmm. by Eunice and when uh, the giftings of Timothy came upon them Paul was the one that laid his hands on Timothy instilling the power of the Holy Spirit on Timothy stirring up that gift from the Holy Spirit that Timothy had and Timothy embraced and began to live it out that's why Paul sees Timothy kind of like a son he's not Paul's son but he's like a son some people have said, well, that must be Paul's son, because he said he's like a son to me. No, there's no vagueness. Paul would say, this is my child. You know, Paul didn't have kiddos from what we understand. Um, as a matter of fact, Paul was estranged from his wife for most of his life, which is uh, kind of like John Wesley. Don't know if you know his story, but he was estranged from his wife for most of his life. John Wesley was not good at relationships. Well, anyway, getting back to Timothy, though, he says that Timothy is the one who has been doing things the right way. And when Paul is getting Timothy ready to go to Philippi to do this missionary work at the church, he's now going to build the church with more wisdom, knowledge, and power of the Holy Spirit. Timothy is hands-on with Paul and has been for quite some time, so he knows that he can do what Paul has sent him to do. And Paul knows it too. He knows Timothy won't go off the reservation. Right. He knows that Timothy's not going to go off on a tangent and, and promote false doctrine. Yeah. He's been shown, proved uh, as, a, as a saint of Christ. Um, you okay? So it says in there that I have nobody that is like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. That Timothy is sincere in what he does. He's actually doing it for the right reasons. Compassionate. And isn't that what we need? People who love us and believe and support us sincerely rather than for their own motive. So Timothy's going to build the church and help them where they are not so Timothy can gain some glory. And he's not doing it for his own benefit. He's doing it for the glory of Jesus Christ. And, and the reason we know that is because Timothy is the one who started very young in the ministry. Very, very young. And uh, was willing to learn the right way and not learn the wrong way. 
In verse 20 when it says, and this is why he's concerned about that, all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. All the rest is what he means. Not Timothy, but all the rest of the people he's working with are after their own affairs. I can't trust that they're going to lead you in Christ. And here's the problem. is Paul knows what it means to suffer for the Gospel. He knows what it means to be persecuted and on the verge of death. Paul has undergone serious, serious trials for the gospel. We know he's been snake bit, whipped 39 times, three times, shipwrecked in hunger, in cold, uh, uh, wanted. They wanted to kill him. They had uh, what they call it a coup to set up when they saw him that they would take him and kill him. And Paul snuck out a window basically in the middle of the night. And uh, Paul was always under persecution everywhere he went. And some places where he tried to establish a church, they'd beat him and run him out of town. And he, he said in one place, we barely escaped with our life from this place. So a lot of people, when they get under persecution, they kind of recant. You know, uh, you know if, and, they, and they have this justification of, well, if I live to tell another day, then I can glorify Jesus later, even if I don't stand up for Him today. But that's their own motive, see? And, and Paul said, most people are after their own benefit, their own... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Their own interests, rather than the interests of Christ. Or, they may have the interest of Christ in mind, but their own at heart. And the heart will overtrump the mind. Self-preservation. Yes, exactly. Self-preservation often happens when we're faced with a trial or a suffering. And that which is only an idea is tossed out the window for what is quote-unquote real. If your relationship with Jesus Christ isn't real, in other words, you're going to back down in the midst of a trial. You'll recant if it's not real faith. People who burned at the stake and praised Jesus while doing so knew that it was a real faith. People who were crucified or martyred because of the faith of Jesus Christ when they could have just said, no, I don't believe, it's just a joke. And they were martyred because of that knew that relationship with Jesus Christ was more important. They weren't doing it for show. But Paul said, I don't have anybody but Timothy who will do this and is after the things of Jesus. And in 22, he even says, you know his proven character. That as a son with his, uh, is with his father, so he served me in the gospel. In other words, he wasn't after his own benefit to work with Paul. Well, this is the great Paul, you know. We in the church have really over-glorified Paul. We talk about he's written most of the New Testament. He saw Jesus face to face. He established all these churches. But Paul was not a person that was considered other than in the realm of Christianity, someone who to be admired. If you were not of the faith of Christ, but were a Jew or a Roman, you would not like Paul. Not at all. Because Paul was sincere in what he did, and he expected that from someone who truly walked in Christ to walk in integrity in all things. And if not, <laughs> well, you, you saw how he condemned some people. Uh, especially ones trying to prophesy and make money out of it. 
And then he rebuked the spirit and got in trouble there too. <laughs> Paul is like that. But he says that the character is proven for Timothy. And this phrase, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. That's one of the places where they think, well, Timothy was his son. It's not. He's not. But what he said is, as a son is with his father. If you look at today's society, you're not going to catch what this verse is saying. As a son is with his father in today's society, they're rebellious. They don't want to listen. Their father says one thing, the son does the opposite. If the father's even in the picture. Most of the sons and, and younger children these days who uh, are growing up in today's society don't like that the fact that their father doesn't do what the son requests and will hold resentments. But that's not the kind of son with the father he's talking about. He's talking about what a son's job was in that culture. In that culture, a son's job was to honor his father and his legacy and to help build it, to be a part of it, to grow it, to understand it, and to move into it when the father was unable. It is like an apprentice, but the son is the apprentice. Hubert, do your sons farm? Uh, do, you, do your sons do? One. One? Yeah. Did he learn it from you? Huh? Did he learn it from you? I imagine, because he didn't want to go to college. That's all he wanted to do, and that's all he's ever done. And so he learned that from you, right? He didn't do that because he was rebelling. He did that because he wanted to support you, right? And, and learn from you and then to carry on what your legacy was, correct? And that's what he's saying about Timothy. That's how a son is, a true son with his father is, is he wants to learn about his father, his father's business. Sounds like Jesus. Learn about his father's business and be about his father's business the whole time that he's with Paul. And so... He's serving and learning Paul's mind and his heart and how Paul does things. And that's how he is as a son is with his father in the right context of son with father. So he says, I hope to send Timothy at once as soon as I see how my health goes, basically, or how it goes with me. If I'm going to be incarcerated and killed, you know, I don't know what's going on with me. But here's what Paul is saying that for, is I want you to know my situation when Timothy comes. If I'm going to be free, if I'm going to be sick, if I'm going to be in jail, martyred, I want you to know what that is so he can give you word about me and you not have to wonder. They didn't have TV. And, um... Or telegraph. <laughs> didn't even have Morse code. <laughs> or smoke signals that would go that far. Not the time he was kind of confident he would be released, but it wasn't no hundred percent thing. Right, and and we know that Paul died as a martyr. Yes. Yeah, and so he says, "I trust in the Lord that I myself will also come shortly, believing that he's going to be free." He, he, he believed that. Yeah, he believed freedom was at hand because he had done nothing wrong. But uh, until that was all cleared up, he couldn't go there. And he was under travel restriction, under house arrest, obviously. Now this next verse, I, I don't understand that. His brother, what's that name? Oh, Epaphroditus? Yeah, he yeah. was a brother. It says, he was a brother in Christ. He says, yes. my brother and companion in labor. 
Yeah. And fellow soldier. But that doesn't mean he was his brother. Right, right. No, it's a brother in Christ. Right. Brethren. Like biological brother. Yeah, like no. like some people call me Brother John. Yeah. Brother. So you're Sister Diane, right? But you're not my sister, but you are in she Christ. Not my sister. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, some of y'all are sisters, you know. That's what I always consider uh, what he called uh, Timothy's son. In the spirit, he was his son. Exactly. I mean, not his blood brother, but in the spiritual realm it was his son. Exactly. Right. And that's and that was the true relationship right. of what it would have been like if it was natural. Yeah. But it was it was how do I say this? It was the Holy Spirit drawing them together for the purpose of building up the church. And and that is what um Timothy's Paul relationship was. So we'll go to twenty five. It says, Yet I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. And he wanted to send him in verse 26 because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you'd heard he was sick. Talking about this brother of his. Yeah, Epaphroditus, yeah. Um, Paul... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Epaphroditus is the one who carries this letter to Philippi. And he's the one who delivers this letter. And as just said, I want Timothy. I don't trust anybody like I do Timothy, but Epaphroditus was really wanting to go. And I think the conversation, if you want to say it like this, is, Paul, I really want to go. They know I've been sick. And they've been praying for me. I could go and encourage them. They see me well. They know I was doing well. I'll be glad to take this. You and Timothy got some stuff to do. And you're not yet resolved here. So you can't go. And Timothy serves you so much better than I do. I'll go and I'll take the message. And I believe it's something to that effect. Or else Paul made that conversation with him. And sent Epaphroditus. And... uh, sends him as a messenger. The messenger. The one that carries messages back and forth. And he's a fellow worker and fellow soldier in the work of Christ. But he's not like Timothy. He doesn't have full trust of Paul. And so he goes... And it does say in this letter that Epaphroditus was sick almost to death, but God had mercy on him and on Paul that he would not have more sorrow after losing Epaphroditus. So there was a sickness there. And I don't know if you all catch this or not, but a lot of people who Paul's shadow fell upon or cloths that touched Paul that were given to others, they would be healed but not so with Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus didn't get just healed automatically. He almost died. He was in that bad of shape. In other words, Paul can't heal everybody. He's not Jesus. And so Epaphroditus did recover, and Paul was thankful for that, and, and was willing to send him. Paul could, could make his way through this world with Epaphroditus over there, but without Timothy, not so much. And he says, therefore, I send him the more eagerly because he was well. 
that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I'll be less sorrowful because you are comforted that he's well again. Because that church doesn't know that Epaphroditus, who's deathly sick, was recovering. Trying to think of a good analogy. If you had someone who worked with you, and and I I can't really draw this picture in today's society because we don't have anything like it. But at that time, when people were there and Paul was with the church, he was there every day, 24-7, all the time. Preaching, teaching, encouraging. Paul would preach four, five, six times a day. You know, and then he would do the work of making prayer shawls and things like that and then sell them so he could support himself. But Paul was always about the gospel and teaching that and growing the church and bringing more people in when he went on that missionary work. And so what we don't understand is when other people are with him, they're not just with him on a Sunday morning, Wednesday night and Sunday evening. They're with them all the time. They're going to work with them. They're going to their homes with them. They're staying with them. These relationships are very, very close. The church at Philippi is not huge. It's not like thousand people. It's not that at all. It's a smaller church because they have to meet in secluded areas where they're going to be arrested. And so when Epaphroditus is sick, it's someone they are very familiar with stayed in their homes for a year or more and became friends. And that's why they're so concerned. Like if you had an exchange student for a year and you heard they were sick, I would just want to see them again and make sure they're okay. And Paul says, it's going to reduce my sorrow knowing that you don't hurt anymore because you see that he's well and he's back with you. So it's kind of like that. And so he says in verse 29, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. In other words, honor Epaphroditus. Receive him with gladness because he's back with you. And then, the reason why is because for the work of Christ, he came close to death. He did not regard his own life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. In other words, Epaphroditus worked to support Paul because the church at Philippi was not able to send it to him. And Epaphroditus almost died in that work. We don't know what else. Don't have to know. We just know that he was faithful to do the work that the church couldn't do to support Paul. And so Epaphroditus was working to support Paul. Paul couldn't eat unless he had some way to eat. House arrest didn't mean, oh, the Romans are going to feed him. They didn't just go, here, you're a prisoner, eat. He had to have other people bring him his sustenance. We don't see it that way in our culture. But the truth is, when someone's in house arrest at that time, or uh, arrest any other way, is if family or friends didn't bring them food, they had very horrible conditions. But they were allowed to bring him food. Bring it and visit and stay, yeah. And hang around with him. But Epaphroditus had to work and learn from Paul. So he had double duty. And that work almost killed Epaphroditus. And so he's sending them Epaphroditus to be encouraged with that. And that is where we got to stop. Like I said, it's a transitional section, but it's still pretty good because 